Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. I'm excited about our guest today. He is one of the best bowlers, if not the best in the entire world. In fact, I'm going to start it out controversial. Some are saying he is the GOAT. Uh, Jason Belmonte, he has 22 PBA titles, 11 major championships, uh, four of those in USBC Masters, which is also a record, and four-time PBA Player of the Year. Uh, Jason, thanks for joining us today. Derek, thank you very much for having me on your show. Hey, you know, we talked not too long ago. You were telling me about some awesome stunts you're doing. We won't start there, but I can't wait to talk about some of those. Uh, my son and I play your bowling app on my iPhone. Uh, you've got a really cool story, and I'd love to just to start at the beginning because yours really does start at the beginning. And uh, let's, let, let's let our listeners get to know you, and then we'll have some fun and, and uh, talk about some new highlights. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I, I'm, I live and was born in uh, a little town in Australia called Orange, which is about four and a bit hours um, inland of, of Sydney. Uh, one rainy Sunday afternoon, uh, my parents had some family over. This was prior to me being born. Um, had some family over and uh, the question came up, uh, hey, why don't we go bowling? And at the time, there wasn't a bowling center in Orange. And the very next day, my parents who had never rolled a ball in their lives, knew nothing about the sport of bowling, decided, let's build a bowling center. So, <laughs> had, they had, uh, a bit, had they owned the companies before that? No, no. So my father, <laughs> uh, my father was, uh, was pretty good with his hands. He was a bit of an electronic whiz. So he was a manager of like a, a little electronic store. And my mother actually grew up um, on the farms. So she was uh, an orchardist. Her family were in the, in the apple game. So mm. she grew up in apples. My dad grew up in electricity in uh, electrics, and uh, neither of them knew anything about bowling. So, you know, as you do, you just go and build a bowling center. And a couple of weeks after I was born, the orange 10-pin bowl was built. And that's pretty much where I spent um, and still spend the majority of my time. Um, it's yeah. actually one of the reasons why I bowl the way that I do. So for the listeners that aren't aware of my unique style, because I started bowling by myself at 18 months old, the bowling ball was too heavy for me. So I would use two hands to roll the ball. And as I was getting older, I still couldn't use a traditional style. So like, you know, the ages of two, three, four, it was still too heavy. So I just kept bowling with two hands. Now, um, my parents, not bowlers, not coaches, um, didn't try to change me as far as they were concerned. I was this little boy who was uh, bowling on, on lane 16 out of their hair while they were busy at work and I was happy. So they were happy. It turns out I was actually getting very good bowling this way. And the best way to describe it is uh, if you could imagine a rugby pass, um, that's similar to my action where the ball is to the side of my body and I kind of spiral the ball down there as if it were a rugby ball. So. Um, 
Yeah, basically. And now you've got from, people all over the world copying your style. I mean, I mean, that's I've seen your Instagram. I've seen the the forums. You, this has become. Uh, I mean, tell us about that for a second, if you don't mind. No, it's been one of the the weirdest things ever. My whole life, I've been told to change. You know, mm. everyone of any stature in bowling who had any credibility or had any knowledge would constantly try to convert me to the traditional style. And I'm just stubborn, so I and then, never. And then you beat to them. them too, didn't you? And then I was beating them, which, <laughs> which it always made me wonder: why are these people trying to convert me when I'm I'm beating them? Oh, that makes sense. Maybe that's why they're trying to convert. It's, me. And it's because so, the way things have always been done, and that's a great lesson in business and life too. So not questioning things, trying to correct things that are different. Uh, I mean, I got a question for you and let's keep going, but how many hours a day when you were that young, how many hours a day were you, were you in, on that lane 16 bowling? Uh, every day, all day. I mean, wow. it kept me happy. It kept me out of my parents' hair. Uh, it, when I got to the ages of, you know, going to school, I went to school. As soon as school finished, I went straight to the bowling center to, to be with my, my mom and dad who were working. So, hmm. and then, you know, that was late nights. They, they worked and still do work incredibly hard. Um, you know, mornings all the way through to close at, you know, 1030 at night. So if I wasn't at home, um, I was at the bowling center. And just like you said, you know, not not trying to like conform to to the status quo. I mean, most, you know, most people who do and, and invent something or, 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 or create a, a brand new model of something, at first they seem crazy until until it works. Hmm. And that's kind of what I'm seeing is for years, I mean, for, for decades, I was, you know, convinced people thought I was crazy. And now, you know, there are tens of thousands of players around the world that have adopted the, you know, quote unquote, Belmo style. Hmm. And it's very, it's very weird for me because I, I've only ever known myself as this, as this unique player. And now, you know, when I do go through my Instagram feed or Facebook or Twitter, you know, I get tagged in all of these people trying yeah. the style, bettering themselves. And it's been, um, it's been a lot of, a lot of fun. So your parents still own that today. They do, and they they uh, they grew the business to uh, now own three bowling centers: one in another country town, a little further west of Orange, and and one in Sydney. So, for for not knowing you know anything about the game, to to still be in business for thirty six years, and and to grow the company into three bowling centers, um, you know, just for me on my side of things, it just shows you that. You know, sometimes you don't need to be a, an absolute expert at something. You just need to be willing to work hard, learn as much as you can, and um, constantly keep trying new things. You know, things mm -hmm. that don't work, they throw them out, try again. And you keep going to the same one, so you're still in the same. You're still bowling in your parents' uh, facility. I am. Yep, Dad. Uh, I used to work for Dad actually um, when I was trying to. to raise money to travel around the world to pursue my bowling career. I, I worked for him. And then one day he called me into the office and um, he said, son, I need to, I need you to sit down. I said, okay, sure thing, dad. He said, listen, you, uh, you've been bowling great. I'm so proud of you. Uh, I think, I think you're amazing. However, um, you're missing a lot of your shifts here at work. So <laughs> I'm going to have to let you go. <laughs> so I got fired by my dad. That's great. Uh, which was a, a very odd dinner. Uh, did he realize what? A, did he realize what a big, you know, I mean, what a name you were. I mean, he did. Obviously, you won your first tournament at four, and I want to go into some of your wins here in a minute. But did he realize how special what you were doing was? You know, I, I don't really know. I don't think any of us really knew. I mean, he he fired mm. me when I was sixteen, and mm. it was just 
when I was, uh, you know, starting my travel, I, I guess you could say. And I wasn't super, super successful every single um, step along the way. You know, I had my ups and my downs and I had to redevelop my, my game. And, and uh, you know, I liken it to, um, you know, a golfer, someone who perhaps can just, you know, hit the ball really, really far. Um, is only going to get you so far. You still need to have touch around the greens. You've got to work on your putting. And, and right. with my style of bowling, it was an inc- it still is a very incredibly powerful ball. But as I was growing up, I was realizing, wow, my accuracy just isn't there. You know, it's great when I do a good shot, but I'm just not consistent and my accuracy isn't there. So once I redefined the player that I wanted to be, you know, I took you know, 10 to 15% of the power off and, and increase my accuracy 50, 60%, my consistency, uh, you know, the same amount, I realized, you know what, it doesn't matter if I have the most powerful ball or one of the most powerful balls. What matters is you repeat and you, you know, you can hit the pocket more consistently than everyone else. And that's one of the, the big changes throughout my career that I've had to make is constantly working on my game. Did you ever want to do something else, or has this always been what you wanted to do? Oh, that, I mean, I I started making pretty pretty good money um, as a as an amateur as a sixteen year old kid. So you know, when when I would turn up to school with these brand new kicks and <laughs> new mobile phones and everything like that, that was cool to me. And hmm. and I I realized, you know what, I can I can really do this, and I can make money, and I can pursue it. I love the game of bowling, and to be fair. I didn't really, I hadn't really found another passion uh, until recently, really, which has been um, entrepreneurship. So mm. I, until then, it was really all I loved. It was really all I was passionate about. So it made sense to want to do it full time and to get really good at it. So uh, I think looking back at it now, it was a pretty good decision, but that was a big risk, you know, as a 16 year old kid trying to travel through Asia, Europe, the world, you know, saving up as much money as I can spending it all on air flights and entry fees and equipment um you know you you had a couple of times there where it was like i don't know if i really am cut out for this you know i've got uh, 25 dollars left in the bank account i might have to go back to work for dad did you always want to be the best in the world i mean you don't you don't people don't often get to talk to the number one in the world of something and so when they do you know thanks for indulging me on some of these questions uh, I, I want to get them right because I, I, I think it's great to know like what the motivation was. What is the motivation? I mean, yes, you want to perfect the game and keep getting better, but did you have vision of I'm going to be the best there is at this? My, I, I never look at it as that in that kind of framework. I kind of look at it as I just want to be as good at something as I possibly can. And that has been my, my personality through my entire life it didn't matter what I was doing I just wanted to be better at it than I was the day before so you know especially with sports you know if I if I was mm. playing cricket or rugby or, or tennis or whatever it was every single time I come back the next day I was like I got to get better at this and with bowling in mm. particular I was doing it so often every day every new day I wanted to get better at it and I was bowling so much that you know that drive just to to make sure that hey you're you're better than you were yesterday. So did I did I want to be the best in the world? I mean, I think yes. I think that's the ultimate question. Yes, I did. But did I know that that was going to be possible, or you know, did I write it on my bedroom wall on a poster with a you know an <laughs> expiration date? No, I just knew that if I kept going the way that I was going, working on new things, getting better at those things, eventually I would get to wherever it is that I wanted to get to when it came to like a specific goal. 
Hmm. And uh, and for me, that was the professional bowlers tour. And uh, since I, I made the tour, my career has um, – what I've written in my career has been, you know, I couldn't have dreamed of, of writing a, a better story. I, I mean, I'm curious. I mean, when I watch you, from what I've seen, uh, you've got it all figured out, and maybe you do. I wonder, though, and I've wondered this for a long time, is, is do you – are you still learning? Like when you, are you still practicing and learning each time or is it keeping up a, a skill that you've already mastered? No, it's, um, it's continually learning. Huh. Um, you know, basically which fits back into what yeah. I just said about, you know, wanting to be better than I was yesterday. Um, one of the things that I've noticed and I, I, I do look at those that have gone before me, those who I'm currently playing against. And, you know, I, I kind of study them from afar and you see the guys who get to the top and it's like, all oh, right, I'm here. This is amazing. All right, now I'm, I've done all the work. I can just enjoy the ride. And the ride doesn't last very long. Hmm. The guys who seem to continually, you know, raise the bar themselves, um, those are the guys who have had longevity in anything, in business, in sport. Um, and I've really taken a lesson from that and said, you know, I will never be complacent with where I am, whether it be 1, 10, 20, whatever position I'm in. I will not be okay with it. I've got to continually push myself uh, because if I don't, the guys behind me are being um, encouraged by my performances. They are getting, um, you know, uh, their their motivation. Well, I become their motivation. So they work on their games and essentially they catch you. And then once they catch you, they pass you. And I don't want that to happen. That's a great lesson. You know, you, you, you really can't just enjoy or just, you can't just, I don't mean you can't enjoy, you can't just take the ride of life and be great at anything. Uh, you always, your whole, we had, I had a meeting with another business owner yesterday. You always have to be raising the bar and innovating and pivoting and growing. That's just part of the journey. That's just until, until you're done, until you're dead. I mean, that's, that's the journey. And uh, it doesn't mean you can't stop and take time to enjoy, but how do you celebrate? I mean, you're, you're, and this is, I mean, with all these wins you have, 22 PBA titles, the uh, 11 major championships, four-time PBA player of the year, do you take time to celebrate and acknowledge and, and enjoy and, and absorb? Or what does that look like for you? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you have to. That's the reward, you know, the sacrifice hmm. that you make for what you put into it. You, you have to give yourself the reward of saying, I get to now enjoy this moment. I get to, you know, hold these trophies. I get to collect this cash. I get to, you know, buy something that I maybe couldn't afford the day before. So you have to enjoy it. But the, the difference between enjoying the ride and making sure you continue to move forward is when the enjoyment, when that moment finishes, when you've you've had your dinner party with your family and friends to celebrate or, you know, you've you've bought that, you know, new car or whatever it is, it's, right now i go back to work it's i'm not going to just sit in my car and and do and have parties every single weekend because this is this is what it's like at the top it's like no no you get your moment you enjoy it you share it and then you go back to work and um you know i often walk past um you know the trophies that i have on on in like my little library that i have and you know i will take a moment and just reflect on you know wow i own that thing now and it wasn't easy and every single time that I win, I appreciate the difficulty that it took to actually be the champion of that day. So I never take anything for granted. Just because I've won 22 times or, or 11 major championships, I'm never expecting that that's going to continue to happen on its own. I know that it happened before because I busted my butt to make it happen. 
and therefore, in order for it to continue to happen, I must continue that same philosophy. Hmm. I really like that a lot. I appreciate you sharing that. You know, your first tournament at, at winning your first at age four. But tell me, give me a couple highlights that stand out to you, whether they could be small moments, big moments, but in your career from four on, which is so young, uh, tell me. Tell me a few highlights that stand out to you, either winning a championship or, or beating a player that you wanted to beat or hitting a new personal record. Like what? G- give us a few of those moments so we can celebrate with you. Yeah, sure. There, there are four moments that are that are very iconic to me. Um, and um, these are the main reasons why I think when I look back, I, I go straight to these moments and they're like little um, defining moments of my career. So when I was 16, I flew for the, the very first time to um, Malaysia. And I bowled a perfect game in Malaysia where I pocketed $16,000. Now, as a 16-year-old kid, you know, working for your dad for minimum wage, you know, $16,000 that go straight into your pocket was a lot of money. And that was kind of the moment I went, why can't I just do this all over the world? And why can't I continue to make this kind of money? Uh, So that was the first moment was when I was like, you know what, I I need to really focus on this and do this as a job. The second uh, moment was when I won my very first professional career, so a a title. So I had a a very um, successful amateur career, but ultimately, you know, until you make it to the pros, um, you just you haven't got there yet. So when I won my very first pro title, that gave me a lot of self-belief that I belong out here. Um, you know, I copped a lot of criticism, uh, a lot of hate because of my, you know, unorthodox style. And everybody at that time, especially in the US, was considering me as a bit of a gimmick that a uh, little flash in the pan. This kid's got a pretty wacky game, but he won't be around for very long. He won't win. So when I won, it just told myself, you, you know, you don't listen to these guys. You know, you, only you can determine your own destiny. So when I won, I was like, wow, you belong here. The, the third moment was when I broke the record for the, uh, the most majors in the history of the PBA. And that, was, that actually happened this season. And wow. for the very, very first time in my, my life, I never once looked at myself, thought of myself, or put myself into a category of um, you know, all-time great. I never had... I, I, I'm a fairly confident guy. Some would probably say arrogant on the lanes, but <laughs> I, I would never actually think that. And after I won that and I became the all-time major record holder of a 60-year history of a, of a professional organization, I realized, wow, you, you will, you've created a legacy that will go beyond your years of bowling. And that wow. was a really proud moment. The final one was when I won the World Cup for Australia as an amateur but what made that super special was I was able to bring my father along and he essentially caddied for me for that particular, <laughs> that week. And my parents and my family very rarely get to see me compete because, well, they live in Australia and I'm constantly traveling around the world. So to have him in Johannesburg, South Africa, um, win the World Cup, bring home the trophy and, and have him there every step of the way was a really special moment for me. Wow. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, so, so 60 years, the, the league has been around for 60 years, correct? Yep. Okay. So, uh, you know, I just want to repaint and recap this picture for our listeners. I know they heard it, but I'm, maybe I'm slower. <laughs> Somebody come in and upset the game to be told they're, they're not doing it the right way to fix it. <laughs> they're botching it essentially, uh, try to correct you on it. Uh, what a story, what a, what a movie in itself for that kid 
to grow up and go and win one PBA title. And for a lot, the movie would end right there, right? Wow, he did it. Now, no, not only that, when it won it 21 more times, uh, became the all-time great in that in this category and in the most PBA wins. That's that's extremely impressive. Oh, thank you. And like I said to you, it's it's a it's a career I couldn't have I couldn't have written. It, it's it's it really does feel like a dream. I sometimes ask my wife to just you know punch me in the face every now and then to make sure it's all <laughs> this is all actually happening. Um, but you know I I do I look back at it and I say. Um, nothing was given to me. Everything was earned. And that makes me feel really proud to say to anyone that I meet along the way, um, you know, if you, if you have a very specific drive and you're willing to put in the work, then, you know, as cliche as it sounds, it is absolutely real. It is you can achieve anything you want, but you've got to work for it. And I think because I worked for it, it, it allows me to tell that story very honestly. I wasn't given anything. Well, that's key too, is, is it's not just going to come to you and it's not just going to be handed to you that way. If you just let it be, it will not happen. Uh, you have to work for it. And the question is how much work are you going to put into it? And for yeah, you, it's and then you have to be okay with that. Yeah. You have to be okay with the amount of work that you're putting in, um, that equals the success that you have. And, you know, some people will work really hard and not have the success. And, and my, my message to them is, you know, <laughs> Every successful story that I've ever heard, it wasn't rainbows and butterflies from day one. There are always going to be hardships. There are going to be ups and they're down. So you might be in a downward part of your of your story, but that doesn't mean you stay there. And, um, you know, the same applies with other people who, you know, are having success, but maybe not as much as they would like. Well, how much work are you putting in? I mean, if you want, if you right. want more success, put in more work. Well, Jason, you haven't won every every game you've ever played, I'm guessing. No, no. Well, it's a, if you win um, anywhere between 5 and 6% of the tournaments that you play as a bowler, you are going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, if you win around 7%, you'll be one of the all-time greats. And um, if you win over 7%, you know, you start breaking all the records. 5 to 6% time, uh, percent. Wow. Okay. Yep. That means I lose ninety five percent, ninety six or ninety four percent of the time that I'm competing. So it's um it's a hard pill to swallow, but it's um it's something that all competitors on the PBA tour have to have to learn to deal with. And I definitely didn't want you to have to uh, to soak in that for a minute, but I just wanted to think that through because when when we see you having you know talked about as the greatest of all time and the all time great for sure and your record with the PBA wins and and you know it helps to when you see that you kind of you kind of gloss over all the other things and go, well, that was easy for him. Well, no, what, what about the other 90, over 90% of the time when you when you had to pull yourself back up and say, okay, what did I learn from this? How am I going to go practice harder? How am I going to get even better? And that's, that is where champions are made, I believe. Yeah, the, the longevity of the sport allows that to happen, right? So you, you unlike boxing, for example, where, you know, if you lose once, maybe twice, like your career is done, right? right. So. If you're winning regularly and, and you win every single time, you can have that, you know, uh, 100% win rate. Then you will be the Muhammad Ali, you will be the Mike Tyson, and then eventually, unless you retire on top, but eventually, if you get knocked out, that that's your career done. Uh, the same mm. can be said, you know, for like sprinting. You know, Hussein Bolt is the fastest man in the world. He wins every single time he runs until he doesn't, and as soon as he loses. That's it, right? He's no longer right. the man. He's no longer 
the world's fastest man and and his career to a degree obviously he's maybe the exception because of how successful and how long he has been able to to hold that position but um once there's a new kid on the block that's faster and and breaks your records well that's it so in bowling that's one of the perks is yeah i can get beaten today i can get beaten tomorrow but if i can win you know six percent of the time that i compete i will be a hall of famer and if i Mm. win seven percent of the time i'll be one of the greatest ever wow that's that's really interesting what an interesting sport so we got a few minutes left i want to still touch on some key things one is tell me what like with with all of these wins you've had i know you're so motivated to do so much but what what What's next for you that's big that you want to tackle? Either more wins or more titles? What, what does it look like for you? What's next on your bucket list or with your sport? Within uh, While I'm competing on the lanes, I want to win the U.S. Open. That's the, the only major championship that I haven't held. Um, I, I really, really want to win that one. So I'm going to work my tail off to get, to get that trophy in my cabinet. Outside of the lanes, I'm working incredibly hard at building a brand. In bowling... Mm. Your listeners will probably be aware of this. There, there really isn't um, a brand within bowling that is recognizable outside of the industry. And I've been working incredibly hard at creating, you know, uh, a Belmo brand where you can buy merchandise, you can play video games, like you said earlier in the podcast that you and your son were playing my uh, bowling by Jason Belmonte app. Um, you know, I want to create documentaries that are, you know, aired on Netflix. I want to. Um, allow people to buy shoes that have my logo on them. I want to. I want to build an empire, um, mm. and then I want that empire to finally burst out of the bubble and into the main mainstream world. And I'm not under no disillusions. I do not think I will be uh, Jordan or Tiger Woods in terms of size, but I would love to be in the same model, just on a much smaller scale. You know, I'd love it where. I'm walking down the street and I see somebody wearing a Belmo hat because Hmm. he liked the design, he thought it was cool, and then maybe, just maybe, that guy ends up becoming a fan of bowling and of myself through the the marketing arm of, of branding. Love that. And, and, you know, again, what we've just heard, this is not somebody that just talks about it and dreams about it. Uh, it's, this is somebody that takes action when someone says, oh, I'm going to go to the U.S. and, and I, I don't have that trophy yet, so I'm going to go win the U.S. Open. Uh, that's pretty incredible. Uh, and you've done it other places. You'll get this one, too. We know that. Uh, tell us about some of the products you have. You mentioned the app, but just give us a few highlights of, of the products that you already are, are, have launched. Yep. So we have uh, within the industry, we have bowling balls that I've, I've been able to create and brand them, Belmo bowling balls, uh, shoes, jerseys, um, uh, can, an entire merchandise line that if you go to my website at jasonbelmonte.com, you'll be able to see all of that. That ranges from shirts, pants, um, sweatpants, sweaters, hats, beanies, pretty much anything that you would need or want, um, I, I'm going to be able to make for you. Uh, like I said, I'm really... I really want to grow like even social media, but beyond that, I want to create my own personalized app where if you are a fan of me and you want to hear about me or read about things or get tips specifically from me, I want to, I want to design a very native app. So that way I'm not relying on the algorithms of social media. Um, I'm allowing my fan base and every single one of them that wants to follow me to get information from me very, um, very quickly um and obviously very directly you know and and on demand i want them to be able to say hey i'm going bowling today i might get a tip from belmo let me go to his app and see if i can find a tip that'll relate to what i'm working on and 
that's one of the next big things. I want to get into virtual reality. I want to get into augmented reality, um, which I'm starting the processes now of meeting with companies on developing those products. I want to get into television, which I've already started to talk to a, um, a 24-time Emmy award-winning documentarian to you know, produce my story and put mm. it into a company like Netflix or Amazon. Um, and you've and got great just, content out there too already. <laughs> you've got great content out there already that you're producing. Uh, if we can, I want to, cause I want to just, you know, for those that are even just interested that are casual bowling fans, but are, you know, interested in, in Jason, which, you know, he's very intriguing and is, he's got a cool lifestyle brand and it's got a great story. Um, go to jasonbelmonte.com to see that. You can see his app as well, the bowling app and uh, in, in the app store. And uh, Jason, give us a few highlights. You and I talked last and you were telling me about some stunts coming up and I, I follow you on Instagram and you've got a great following there. Tell me about some examples of some of the types of stunts and fun things that you're doing too. Yeah, well, I want to make bowling fun, right? I want to make bowling different. So I've collaborated uh, with a few different um, people. One been the... Uh, the group called Dude Perfect, which are uh, a guy, a couple of guys, actually five guys out of Dallas, Texas, who um, specialize in trick shots. So I brought to them an idea about taking bowling to a skate park, and we created a, uh, a viral video with over 100 million views. We hmm. followed that up with a part two, which has, I think, 50 million views. Um, and then just recently, I went to um, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I met uh, Eric Almarola who is a NASCAR driver, and I wanted to create the world's fastest strike. So on my YouTube channel, you can check that out, and you'll see what it looks like to be driven in a NASCAR, going around a track, throwing a bowling ball out the window at 145 <laughs> miles an hour and getting a strike. How awesome is that? How, how fun was that to shoot? Unbelievably fun. <laughs> it was even more fun once we made it, like once we actually achieved what we went there to do, because I knew the the level of difficulty was so high. So once we achieved it, you know, I asked Eric to take me through a few hot laps and, and oh, I don't know what was more fun, getting the strike or actually, you know, wondering if I was about to die on the next corner and how quick he was driving <laughs> around the track. Uh, Jason, we have just a few seconds left. Any final thoughts you want to share with our audience? Go bowling. That's all I can say to you. You're going to love it. It's a sport that you can do with your whole family. And there's, uh, there's a lot of things about the game of bowling that you may not know until you go and do it yourself. So go to a bowling center and uh, try the Belmo style. It might work for you. Mm, Jason Belmonte, all-time great. Uh, check him out, jasonbelmonte.com. Check him out on social media. He's got some fun stuff to look at and just a great brand. And look at his store he has. And check out that bowling app too. Your family will enjoy it. Jason, great talking to you again. Always great to see what you're doing. And you're, you're changing the world with each thing that you do. And you do it large and, and, and A-plus, top quality. So thanks for what you're doing. I can't wait to see the next great things that you're doing. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank awesome. We'll talk soon, buddy. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be.